Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and I am joined this week. He is back, uh, you know, with his cat returned safely to his home. I am joined by Ben Daniels. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing much better. That was a, a terrible Derby Sunday. My cat ran away, and then I watched us lose to Arsenal. Yeah, Podbean ate a podcast of ours last week with me and Brian. Uh, Ben's uh, cat has gone missing, and uh, he was able to podcast with us last week. But now uh, Rory is safe back in uh, back in, in your home in Atlanta, Ben. Uh, yes, as soon as as soon as we lost to Zagreb and we were out of the Europa League, <laughs> she felt safe to return. <laughs> To uh, to our arms. She she could she could rely on the position of the pendulum, so she wouldn't be in danger anymore. Yeah, she knew she knew exactly where I'd stand. Unfortunately, and, uh, she really just didn't want to be around for like any more Jose football. She's like, <laughs> okay, I think he's gone now. It should be safe to return. Unfortunately, uh, even that was premature. Um, also, unfortunately, um, our co-host Brian can't be with us this week. We hope he is back with us next week. Um, but yeah, uh, before we get any further in, please uh, take a moment, follow our t- new Twitter feed at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And leave us five-star review on iTunes, because if you're listening to this podcast, you must love us, and we could use more validation, because really that's why we do this. So we are going to uh, you know, really earn that five-star review by being approximately the last Spurs podcast to react to the disaster in Croatia. Uh, I-, I think... You know, obviously we're going to talk about the Villa match, but I, A, we haven't talked on this podcast yet about the Dinamo match, but I, I think it's really important to center where this team is with what happened in Croatia. Just to review, in case you've forgotten, Spurs went out in a spectacular um, flameout in the Europa League, uh, 3-0 to Dinamo, in extra time even, so they even had more time to score the goals. It is worth pointing out that uh, Dinamo did have to pull a couple amazing saves out of their ass, but largely speaking, I'd say we roundly deserved to lose that game. I, I don't know about you, Ben. Uh, I know you were a little distracted with your missing cat at the time, but certainly for me, that match felt like a real turning point. Uh, as it happened, and the immediate reaction and the media coverage afterwards, pretty much, I, I think, up and down the line from everywhere you were reading, whether it was an ITK or a match report in the Guardian or just talking to other Spurs fans, I thought it felt like a huge inflection point. I had a very hard time seeing how Jose survives, uh, I don't want to say survives the season, but is, is our manager next season. I understand why he wasn't fired immediately, but it just felt like such a spectacular flame out. And it's, you know, we've, we've talked about it before. Everyone's talked about it. Mourinho's here to win trophies. And the Europa League trophy was like maybe the one trophy we were still in that would have made so much of the season worthwhile because that would have been a fun trophy to win. And instead, not only do we get knocked out of the Europa League, but we get knocked out by a team that we are miles ahead of, by a team that we were comfortably beating in the first leg, that all we need to do is score a goal against them in the second leg, and we would have been home free. And, you know, we couldn't do anything. A very listless Spurs performance. It wasn't, like, unlucky. It felt to me that day and the day after, like, there's just no way Mourinho can survive this, and it was over. I I don't know how that's been... We'll talk a little bit about how that's been affected by the events that have happened subsequently, but how did you feel in as much as you were paying attention to Spurs at the time after that match? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's hard to say, because I think we've been at so many points this season where you have to ask, oh, well, how does Jose come back from this? You know, there was a moment in February where he was a West Brom loss away from everyone feeling fairly certain that, like, that was it for him. Well, it was it and, was severe enough. We know for a fact. It's not ITK. It's reporting. Like, Spurs were feeling out replacements in, like, February. It was that serious. Right. I, and I, I'm not saying it's not that serious again. I just, 
I, we keep seeing him wriggle his way out of this. And, <laughs> ah, you know, nevertheless. Like, right. I mean, exactly. It's like, I don't think it's likely, um, but we still in about a month have a cup final against Man City. It's possible we win that. Like Wigan beat Man City in a cup final. It's you possible know? we and finish like, top four. Right. Like, you know, if the season ends and we've gone through all these ups and downs and we end up with top four in a trophy, it's like, it's hard to fire Jose after that, even though we all went on this ride together and know that it would be insane to keep him. Um, but so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not prepared to write him off uh, ever as long as he's still our manager. Uh, but, yeah, it definitely feels like we're one step closer to the brink. It was just, it, it felt like such, you know, like a lot of our problem with Jose is, you know, like you watch it as, as a fan and it's the way we play week in and week out and that, Kind of, you know, we go through these peaks and valleys and we feel like we're not be- getting what we were sold. But, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's a general feeling. It's a f- sort of diffuse evaluation of him. Whereas this felt like a very crystal clear, you know, that wasn't just a bad day at the office. Like, it was, the team wasn't prepared. They didn't seem to have any tactics. They didn't seem to have any motivation. And on top of that, we went out of a competition. It wasn't like a bad day against West Brom. Like, we got knocked out of a competition we all really wanted to win this year. Like, every Spurs fan, I think, either you just want to win a European trophy or you want to do something to make this shit under Mourinho worthwhile. And, you know, Mourinho's supposed to be able to manage knockout competition. And this was just such a stark inability to do what he is supposed to do on every level it just it felt like if you want to fire him, this is the, this is it. This is the reason why you don't need to like, you know, this isn't like firing Harry Redknapp the year we fired him. Like that was like it felt like you just had, you had Exhibit A. It wasn't a vibe. It was like clear and direct right. evidence. Right, exactly. Like you don't need Jose Mourinho, Cup specialist, born winner, trophy master, to watch your team go out three nil to probably the most beatable team left in the tournament. <laughs> like we were, that was like the dream draw. Yeah. And it's a kind of game that like, had I been emotionally invested in, in Spurs to any degree similar to like, I have been in the past, it would have felt humiliating. Like I would have been embarrassed to like, if, you know, to see a fan of another team, you know, now I'm just like, someone's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you guys fucked that up. It's like, yeah, I agree. You know, like, and I hate being in that place. But it like, was the most, like, th- there's that internet joke of, like, actually, I'm not mad. This is actually funny to me. It's the most I've actually felt like that. Like, it was just, like, I remember when Zagreb scored the third goal. It's like, what else can you do but laugh? Like, right. It's yeah, just, and, then, and, like, and it just felt inevitable. Like, of yes. course this is what's going to happen. Like, as soon as they scored the first goal, it kind of felt like... No, for me, it was when Lo shot got palmed out. Like... Like, because that was a really good shot, and Lo Celso injected. I mean, Lo Celso was the only player I feel like who shouldn't have walked back to London. But as soon as he got that palmed out, you're absolutely right. It was like, what are we? Like, this is over. There's no way we're going to win this, and you just knew they were going to blow it. Like, you you knew they were going to blow it. Right. We've seen this movie too many times. Um, <laughs> under lots of managers, but especially especially. But that's the point. It's like it's we're. we're you know, and I don't know how much we believe, like, as fans we believe it, I mean, you and me in particular, but, you know, like, you're sold a certain bill of goods under Jose Mourinho. Like, you know, they talked about it early in the season when we were sort of leading the league. It's like Mourinho's changing the mentality and all this other stuff. And a lot of that's bullshit, but, like, at a minimum, I thought Mourinho does have an ability to knock out, to manage knockout competition, like... You know, through his negative tactics, this is something he has demonstrated. Even at Manchester United, demonstrating ability to do. Right. I think. Well, I think that that mentality thing is, is a good point because I think there's so much of the discourse around. You know, Pochettino was here. Was like, well, what's he won? He's never won anything. Like, how can you get your team to win if you're not a winner? And you know, the mental fragility of the Spurs has you know been a long-standing trope and whatever. And the whole. The whole thing about Jose Mourinho is not just that he is capable of winning trophies, but that he is a winner. And that somehow, by having a winner, that is the difference between Spurs with a lesser manager who is fragile and soft and can't cross the finish line. You know, by having this winner is like it somehow instills the squad with this with this new culture of, of winningness. 
Yeah, we're gonna no boys. We're gonna knuckle down and do what it takes to win to win this, especially in a knockout competition. Win this game, even if it's not if pretty. Being a winner means anything. It means not losing three nil to Dynamo Zagreb when you're already two nil up from the first leg. And like, I, it's just I think a testament to the fact that it doesn't mean anything. And like, I think we all know that. And all people who have argued against Jose Mourinho from the start, you know, would have always made that case. But like again. This is just very revealing. You know, the 5-4 loss to Everton, the 3-0 loss here. At least the 5-4 loss to Everton, like, the guys were up for it. Like, you know, like... whatever. But again, it's like... Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Where's that? That's supposed to be the edge, the difference between a 5-4 loss, you know, a 2-3 aggregate. Like, there's no edge. It's It's just a bad manager managing a bad football team. And it's, it's you know, and I don't think, like, there was a big debate because there are apparently Mourinho stands out there, which, you know, I understand if you're not as passionate about disliking Jose Mourinho as, say, Ben is or I have become, but, you know, I, I don't get it. Um, you know, p- these people who, like, harass Windy because he's tired of watching this fucking dire football every week. I don't understand that, but there was this big debate amongst sort of more Mourinho stands or Mourinho sympathetic Spurs fans and like other Spurs fans about like, oh, is it the players or is it Mourinho? And I all to that I say like, por qué no dos? Like I, I I do think the players deserve a lot of shit for that performance. Like like I said, Lacelso is the only guy I wouldn't have had walk back to London. Like I mean, it was bad. It was you know not up to the caliber that you should expect out of players on a team like Spurs. And I do think Mourinho deserves a lot of credit for not either giving them tactics or motivation or whatever to sort of, even if it's just middle of the match, kick their ass in gear and get a result. But at the same time, like, you're playing fucking Zagreb in a knockout competition. Like, you shouldn't need that much motivation to, like, kick these guys' asses. Like, but apparently you do. Yeah, I mean... You know, you look at the players who played and, you know, there's a level of, A, you know, management from a tactical standpoint, from a motivation standpoint. There's managing minutes. Like, I don't know how many times we've seen Harry Kane go 90 minutes in the last few weeks, but it's like, it's constantly. Um, And, you know, we know Harry Kane is a good player. We know Lucas Mora is capable of, Doing the business against the Europa League team, we know Eric Lamella we, is capable of. We like, know that spanking. Lucas Mora might be like Mourinho might be the manager who's actually gotten the most out of Lucas Mora. So right, and so like to say like oh, you know oh the players let down Jose is, is while it's not not true like I don't want to say they let down able, Jose they let but, down but, everybody but yeah right they let down themselves it's like yes you would expect that guys of this caliber no matter what's going on are good enough to bang one goal in against Dynamo Zagreb. I'm like, I agree. There's no excuse for that. But yeah. given the whole state of things, it's like, you know, the buck stops with the manager. Like, you know, like, I think it's worth remembering, like, you know, like, I think that on this podcast, I have to go back and listen. When we got knocked out by Gent or Gank or whichever <laughs> team we got knocked out by, you know, I think Pochettino rightly got shit for that. Like, th- that team wasn't prepared. That team wasn't motivated. You know, and we lost to this team we had no business losing to. And it's exactly the same here, except Pochettino wasn't being sold to us as, like, an ultimate winner who's going to get us, the, like, trophies and knockout competitions. Like, you know, obviously that was something we hoped would happen, but that wasn't, like, the bill of goods that we were being sold as fans. Man, you got to stop saying bill of goods. Yeah, I know. I, I, never, know. Want to, I never want a bill or goods ever. I might, I might have a one-track mind. <laughs> I hear there's smoke where there's fire, but... I'm working to confirm, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, you know... I don't I don't think any of us have had a ton of hope for... those, like, tangible goods uh, that we've been built <laughs> uh, at the end of the season. Like, you know, I know... Like, we all know we're going to get our asses kicked by Man City. Like, I mean, ADB, know it in our ADB won the Europa League playing trash like he didn't play a single real team and maybe the only or he only played like one real team he played some fucking jokers winning the Europa League and that was honestly my hope like if we're gonna win this we need to just get easy draws until the end and then like you know hope we play Manchester United and they just have like a bad Ole day like right again like that's how we got 
to the cup final against Man City. It's like yes. we got a okay draw, we got a bye, we played Marine, you know. Uh, it's It's been stupid. Um, but, like, until we actually go out there and lose to Man City, I can still imagine that there's something... It's not the most unrealistic thing in the world. You're right. right. It's It, totally. it could happen. Could Jose Mourinho it's put like, together a counterattacking performance and City lays an egg? That is not an, an unreasonable reality that could take place. I don't think it's likely, but it's not, like... Right. So, like, the know. Europa League has been, I think, a, a constant positive over the course of the season. You know, barring, like, a couple early hiccups, you know, it's like, yeah, you get to watch us beat the brakes off of Wolfsburger, you know, and hang four goals on them every week. And then before we got knocked out, comfortably beat Zagreb 2-0. And it was just like, you know, it was easy. Everyone seemed like they were having more fun than they were in the league because the opposition was so bad, you know. And like you said, like, you could dream of, like, just sort of fluking your way past a bunch of bad opponents before we come up against anybody good. Yeah, you play like Granada, Villarreal, and then like, okay, you got to beat United or Arsenal in the final, which obviously we've embarrassed ourselves against them, but, you know, we've also beaten them, so who knows? Right, and it's just, yeah, so just seeing another another avenue of something close this early in the season is just like, well, one less reason to care, one less reason to yeah. it you know, felt feel attached to this. And it felt to me like... After the game, certainly while I was watching the Villa match, it felt to me a lot like like the season after the, the season where Leicester won the league. It felt like when Spurs had just the league was out of reach, and you just were playing out the string. That's how that's what watching the Villa game, which is ridiculous. We still have you know in theory we could get top four, you know we could win a trophy this year, but none of that feels tangible. Like none of that feels like it is going to happen or it's likely to happen. I'm not even sure I want it to happen, which is like the sad thing. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It it doesn't feel like it's not going to happen. It doesn't feel like it is going to happen. It just feels like I'm like on the hook and I, I can't, I can't walk away yet because again, like I said this on our last podcast before our, our hiatus, it's like any three game stretch seems to like pivot this club in, in wild new directions. It's like, we went from him being a West Brom loss away to definitely getting the axe to, oh, suddenly we're, like, putting together some good wins or at least some fun performances. And then, you know, after three games and four where we scored four goals, we lost to Darby when we crashed out of Europe. And it's like, I, I, there's there's just no telling what's going to come next. Like, well, we it's... have Newcastle. We're three points out of fourth. We have Newcastle next. Like, yeah, we could very well find ourselves tied for fourth next weekend after the international break. Like, that's not unrealistic. And then we're going to play Man U, and it's all going to fall apart. But until until it becomes mathematically impossible, you know, even mathematically unlikely, I will still be like, well, I don't know. I, it might happen. But and, you're on this, like, you look at Spurs, and I think you put it in a good way, where it's like, you think you know how the season's trending. Either, like, we fixed it, or we're bottoming out. Like, you think it's going one way or the other. And I think the Villa game was a perfect example of that. Like, it felt like things couldn't get lower. And just like that West Brom game, like, a month or two ago, where it felt like, boy, if Jose fucks this up, like, that could be it. Like, I just remember thinking, like, because we, like, capitulated to Arsenal. We got embarrassed in Croatia. And it was like, if we fuck up against Villa, like, I don't know if Mourinho's going to get fired. But that's, that's not a good place for him to be. And then he went. We we had this comfortable, fun-ish game against Villa, right? Where and some like, guys started, extra, you know, and it was, it's it was extra annoying because of that, right? It was like, oh, Joe Roden's playing, and Los Celso's back, and well, hey, yeah. Vinicius finally got to start in the league. And, and, and it scored, felt like he was, was like, it felt like he was doing more of his dumb mind games bullshit, where it's like I'm starting these guys to prove a point, and it's like, well, if these guys are good enough to fucking play, why haven't they been playing? Why are we just now seeing Vinicius in the league? Like, it was interesting. It was like, oh, there's some stuff here. Like, you know, I don't think it's like the difference between us being a really functional team. But, you know, I think a better manager would be, you know, have experimented with this like four months ago. Right, exactly. And you'll get Mourinho fans being like, oh, look at this. Look at this masterful manager who shook the squad up and like, you know. Yeah, like Grealish was on the bench. So like exactly right. It's like either if you believe guys like Tanganga and... And Vinicius are guys who like should be playing in the league. Then they should have been playing in the league all along. And if you don't, and you're just doing it because you decided you're mad at 
Matt Doherty and Eric Dyer, or Toby, like, I'm just not fucking interested in that. Like, I'm not, there's like, you're going to get mad at somebody new next week and it's just going to be the same fucking thing. It's, it's, so, go I ahead, just went sorry. off the ride. I just want off the ride. Well, for me, you know, it's this, get it's bad this, enough or get good enough, but pick for, one. For me, it's this just annoying thing of like, we won't bottom out where like, we're forced to make a decision and we're not fixing it. So we're just stuck in this mediocre level where like, I'd call us flat-track bullies, but look at what fucking Arsenal did to us, which, you know, I I know they're probably a little bit better than their record, but they're still fucking terrible. And, you know, so we're playing good enough that the bottom never falls out, but we're not fixing things enough where, like, we're actually, like, getting a good sense of play and especially able to give good teams a run for their money. So it's just... We're in this middle place where you're just sort of, I know where I am, it's just like I'm hoping that we just find ourselves in a place at the end of the season that, you know, we just, Mourinho's not fucking here anymore. And part of that's because we're linked with a guy like Nogglesman who's really interesting and God will be a breath of fresh air after this. I don't want us to lose, but you're just in this place of like, I don't believe he's going to fix it because it feels like... When he tinkers with the squad in, in a game like the Villa match, it just feels like he's doing it to prove points and not actually fix problems. Right. I, I mean, it's it's like it's like we're literally living through that like in Bruce joke where he's explaining purgatory. Yeah. Like you weren't quite good, you weren't quite shit. It's like a bit like Tottenham, and it's like that's exactly where we are. And it's like you just want it to break one way or the other. And like I don't want Jose to stay, but like if Jose gets us in the top four and wins us a, a cup final, like. You know what? I'm not going to turn my nose up at any of that, and if that means he stays for another summer, like, whatever. Like, well, that's, that's like fine. that's that's a situation. At least, at least I'll, yeah, and at yeah. least I'll believe, like, you know, maybe maybe we can get better. Maybe we can muddle along. Like, I don't know, but like, I, I'm tired of the yo-yo. I'm tired of the whiplash. I'm tired of is, feeling like I've said this on the podcast before. One of the things I hate about sports or life in general is when you feel like you're convincing <laughs> yourself about something. You know, like. You have to, like, tell yourself, well, if this happens, and this happens, and this happens, then maybe it'll work out. And, you know, we talk about, like, well, if the squad makes top four, and if we win a cup final. And it's like, and I feel like all the things for those to happen with the way we've watched this team, which completely capitulated to Arsenal and, and Zagreb, you know, all the things that would need to happen for that to happen are just, like, what evidence do we have after watching this team all season that that's going to happen out of anything other than dumb luck. You know, because I don't think it's going to come out of, like, tactics. I don't think it's going to come out of coaching. I don't think it's going to come out of squad management. And if it does come out of any of those things, I think it's going to be a complete accident because we haven't seen it be anything other than those things. Right. I mean, at this point, it's been however long it's been. If there was anything that Jose was doing that was unique to Jose that he was capable of instilling in the squad, it would have happened by now. I think you Jose know, has figured out how to beat bad teams. <laughs> I think he's figured out how to like roll a team with like Villa when Grealish is in there. Like I think he's figured out how to do that. And and honestly, sometimes he's figured out how to make us look pretty good doing it. I mean, again, we lost to Brighton like a month ago. Yeah, so, we did. You know, you're every right. Every time we think he's figured out how to do that, Ugh. he hasn't. And like the thing is, it's just. There's nothing you can't tell me that like any other manager in the world couldn't get us muddling along to this exact same place. But we're it's, not in any cup competitions except for one. We got very lucky with the draw, and we're not in top four. Like I, I, I am hard pressed to think of a manager in the Premier League who couldn't do exactly this. And so, why are we paying Jose for it? Why are we suffering through terrible football for it? Why are we suffering through his fucking bullshit press conferences and his fucking snipes at the squad? It's just. It's just just end it, just fucking end it, man. Yeah, no, it's, and it's, it's not going to come until the end of the season. So. Yeah, and, and and you hope it comes at the end of the season, and that's where I just am with him. It's like I feel like the answer is obvious, and I just want us to get there, you know? Because I'm tired. It's it's I'm tired of just like stringing along, and it feels like we're just doing this kabuki theater of like we all know how this is going to end. And, you know, I, I was probably more positive, maybe not as positive as Brian, but I was much more positive about Mourinho than you were for a while. Because, you know, he had something going at the beginning of the season, and I was probably telling myself some tall tales about how sustainable that was. But at least our counterattacking shit was kind of fun to watch, and it was working. And But since then, it's just like we've just been muddling along. There hasn't been a clear philosophy. And I don't understand other than just, like, 
you made a decision you don't want to admit you're wrong, why we would stick with this. Like, and again, you're right. If, if we make top four through by hook or by crook and we win a trophy, like, fair enough. Like, that's, that's an like, accomplishment. We still shouldn't keep him, but, like... But I, I, I wouldn't, like, life. yeah. I, that, but that is, like, again, I think when fans talk about, like, what Daniel Levy should do, they're coming at it from, like, their perspective and not thinking about, like, where his decision-making is coming from. And I agree with you. Like, I still think it's, like, what are we doing here? We're muddling along. Let's just make the decision we're going to have to make eventually. But if he makes top four and wins us a fucking trophy, like, fair enough. Like, I, I understand... I wouldn't do that, but... If Daniel Levy keeps him around for another year, like I get it, like I understand why you did that. But if he does, if he doesn't, like I don't give a shit about this being a COVID year. I don't give a fuck about like how hard City are to play. Like get him the fuck out of here. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any question that if he comes home empty-handed without top four, like he's definitely gone. The question is, is like what level of success can he achieve and still get fired? Like if he gets top four and loses the Cup final. Do we still get rid of him? If he wins the cup final and misses out top four, do we still get rid of him? I still think the answer is going to be yes. Top like, four unless... is a lot of money. That's the thing about top four. Like, Yeah, but it's like, great, he got top four, but like that doesn't mean we need to bring him back for another fucking, you know. I, I mean, so much of it, like, because I think people forget. Like, I think a lot of Spurs fans read too much into the whole, like, Daniel Levy loves Jose Mourinho thing. I, I think they read too much into it. But at the same time, I think what everyone forgets is, I think Harry Redknapp had antagonized Daniel Levy far more than Jose Mourinho has when he got fired. So, you know, I, I think it just becomes how, how cold-blooded is Daniel Levy. And I do think that a lot of Spurs fans, or at least the Spurs fans I interact with on Twitter, have like, you know, Spurs fans spent years complaining about how Daniel Levy was like a fucking cold-blooded reptile who had no love for this club. And all of a sudden, they think he's like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over Jose. And I think he's going to be a little more vicious about that decision than people give him credit for, even if he might not be as vicious as we would like him to be. Yeah, that's some real protocols of the elders of Zion there with your, your Daniel Levy, the reptile. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to make the point that he makes cold-blooded decisions, not that he's a yeah, not that he's no, no, This is good, this is good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You know, building goods all over town. How, how did your podcast get on uh, the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center's watch list, Greg? I don't know, honey. Um, but yes, I mean, I think I think there's definitely something to the Daniel Levy is a little bit snowed by Jose Mourinho, but he's also a guy who knows how to look at a bottom line, who knows how what a football team should be doing on a pitch, you know, in, in broad strokes. He knows that this is not fun, like. You know, he experiences the world as a as a as a sane, level headed individual. Um, you know, and I think no amount of Jose fanboying will make him pass up the opportunity to hire a coach like like well, Nagelsmann if he's available, and you know, cut out a bad contract if he can get get that done for cheap. Like, and I think that's going to play a bit of a role in that if it's just like fucking get rid of Mourinho and find somebody, I think that maybe he's a little more, like, sort of leaning to... If it's, if it's a 50-50, he might lean towards keeping Mourinho. But, you know, I would think... I mean, in the past, like, I mean, he fucking fired Martin Yol in the middle of a match because he thought he could get Juan de Ramos. Like, I gotta think that he might be a little vicious if it comes to, like, I could get Nagelsmann if it looks like Bayern's not gonna... If, you know, I think the the chain of events that as Spurs fans we need to worry about is Germany hires Flick, and Bayern hire, hires Nagelsmann. But if, right. if like, it looks like that's not going to happen, or he can like gazump that process, then like if, if Mourinho doesn't bring home top four and he didn't win a trophy, he's probably a little more likely to dump Mourinho if he's got a person in mind as opposed to just I need to find someone. Well, I mean, I think the thing that we know it's been well reported is that we are looking, we are kicking the tires on what's out there. You know, we are actively searching and, you know, you don't do that if you're so enamored by Jose Mourinho that like you want him to manage this club to championships. You know, it's Daniel Levy is doing his job right now and he is feeling out what the market of, of managers in the world of football looks like. And who might be interested, and who might be appealing, and who would want to come, and 
you know, I think there's going to be a calculus based on how well Jose does, who's available, how much it's going to cost. But I, I would be, I would be very, very shocked if Jose is our manager next year. Well, regardless and of results. and we we know they've had conversations with Nagelsmann, like which tells me two right. things. One, like I, I don't, our, our good friend and trader Michael Cayley has said that he thinks Nagelsmann is using us as a stalking horse. To which I would say. Why would any promising German manager need to use us as a stalking horse? Like, if Bayern wants them, they're going to get him. Um, if he's any bit interested going there. But I think that tells us we're having extensive conversations with people. And I don't think it's pro- I, I think it's probably not just him. Sure. And, you know, again, he's a very up and coming manager who probably would have his, I don't know about his pick of the litter, but, you know, could really go to a lot of very high-profile clubs. And if he's talking to us and apparently very interested in sending us good signals, that's something to consider. Um, All right, so I think – so let me ask a question. Top, No top four, no trophy. I think we all agree he's he gone. gone. yeah. Top four and a trophy, but it's like a, a stumble into top four. He's there. I, 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 it's just, I just don't think he can justify it. And I think if he has any sort of fondness for him, it's like – it was a COVID year, and we got in top four, and now we'll reload. And da, 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 da. you know, it's that's an achievement. Like you know, getting this club in the top four this year, and if we beat City in a final, like that ain't nothing. As much as I don't like Mourinho, and we might just stumble into it, like that, that's an accomplishment. And it'll be enough for him to justify keeping him. I wouldn't do it, but I think Levy I mean- will. I'd love if Jose delivered both of those things and then got sent. Yes, like, that's that would really be an ideal way for this. That you know, would be it'd ideal. Con- it'd continue a long tradition of like our worst managers winning trophies lately. If like from Wande, George Graham, like just people who suck did a terrible job with the club but somehow won a trophy. Like it's fitting. Like it feels very Tottenham that like Jose is going to be the guy who does it, just because so many better managers have come and gone without it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think at this point, that's like kind of all we're rooting for. It's like, how do we thread that needle as perfectly as possible? So like, I'm not unhappy on a given day of watching my team. Um, and also, I will be bigger I, picture happy. I just like, and part yeah. of the reason, I don't, I, get, I, I don't know, I don't think I'm, we, we've talked about this before. It's like, on some level, you want the things that need to happen to happen, so Jose goes. But then you watch a Spurs match, and you don't want them to lose. Like, you, you want no, your team no, to win. You can't, you, get, you can't actively yeah, root against Yeah, them. you can't actively root against your team. And you get excited when they score goals, and you get mad when the other team scores a goal. But at the same time, like, I can't tell you how much, A, I want watching Spurs to be a constructive part of my week again, and B, how I want my conversations with fellow Spurs fans, whether they are on this podcast, less so on this podcast, because I think we have productive and fun conversations, but... More so in other aspects of my life, to just not be such a fucking slog all the time. <laughs> like, where, like, we are arguing with each other over the dumbest shit because we're all so frustrated with Mourinho. I just want it to be different. And, like, I, I, I think back to, like, Pochettino's first year, which was not all sunshine and roses. Like, he was freezing out Dembele. Like, we did, you know, our form was all right, but not great. But at least back then, I think even in the moment, and maybe maybe I'm lying to myself, it felt like this is constructive. This is going somewhere, maybe. You know, like, I don't think we any of us realized where it was going, but it felt like these are building blocks. As opposed to now, where it feels like we are just trying... It feels like you're trying to bullshit your way through... You didn't do your homework last night, and you were bullshitting your way through class... And all you're trying to do is get from one minute to the next until you're out of there and you save your skin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. There's no, there's no, there's no project here. There's no, there's no arc. There's no, there's no nothing. It's and just, I think the Villa match underlined it. The Villa match underlined it. We just started all these guys that could have been getting minutes either as subs or rotational starters, and we just did it. And it was to prove a fucking point. And it's fucking April. Or March. I don't know if I, time has no meaning in the pandemic. It's March. It's almost April. <laughs> but it's like I think that's, Vinicius I think is that's getting that. his first league start in fucking March, like the end of March. Right. This is the guy that Jose Mourinho just had to have. He was his his number one choice. But I think that brings us to I think an important question here. Uh, you know, we have rumors of dressing room unrest. Hugo basically came out and said it. 
Um, we know Harry Kane is totally in the tank for Jose. Um, and Which, to be fair, he's... I mean, you look at Harry's performances this year. Whatever else you want to say about Jose, he, at a minimum, he has facilitated good performances out of Harry. Right. But the question is, is who is who is leading the, the mutiny against Jose right now in the clubhouse? I don't... Why is Harry? I don't think it's Delhi. Because, <coughs> like... I don't know. I thought it would be messier with Delhi. Maybe maybe that was the reason Mourinho hated him so much. But, like, we never got any messy public shit with Delhi. I think it's Harry Winks. I think it's absolutely Harry Winks. Like, Harry Winks is the guy who started the knockout match and lost and then was not in the squad at all for the Villa team or for the Villa game. And if Sissoko wasn't so nice, I would say him, but I don't think it's Sissoko. Yeah, and Sissoko came off the bat, the bench in Aston Villa. I mean, man, I don't know. Winks is the only guy I'm confident in. Because there's been lots of rumors around how shitty he's been. And you know what? I'll, I'll give Mourinho credit. If he's finally the manager to get Winks out of Tottenham, like at least this last year and a half wouldn't have been a total fucking waste. Yeah. I guess that is the upside. Is I, a, a nice, homegrown lad... Finally getting the fuck out of Tottenham. I mean... It is the best upside we can hope for. Would it shock you if it was Aurier? No, but again, it's like... You know, I don't know. It's like... There's so much of this has to have been simmering under the surface all season with so many of these guys. Hugo's comments seem to indicate that it's the guys who aren't getting starts regularly. Right. So maybe it was Bale once upon a time? Right. I mean, Bale got disappeared too. Um, I mean, Rodon, he, Rodon has, like, I can't imagine that guy's got any juice in the locker room. Well, he's part of the Welsh Mafia. Uh, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Well, so is Son, so we don't even know what that means. But, I, I mean, I, 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 Winks is the only guy I'm confident in because we know he's had issues this year. I, I mean, Doherty does, I don't think it's him. Right, but it's not enough for it to just be Winks. It's not like Hugo gave that whole speech. No, you're he's right. Like, he's just talking about Harry Winks, this like fucking criminal mastermind. Well, do we think? Do we think he's talking about guys who are dogging it, or guys who are actively under? Like, is it like a Kabul cabal situation, or is it just like, okay, now you're going to put me on? Well, like I'm not going to try very hard because if it's the, if it's the latter, I could see it being guys like Delhi, Rodon. Davies, like I, I can see it being a much broader tent if, if it's just they're not trying hard as opposed to actively undermining everything. Yeah, and I don't know if I've just like not been paying attention to the ITK as much lately, or if the quality of ITK has really fallen off. But like, I need the hot gossip about what these factions are, who's fighting who. Winks is the only ITK I've seen. Winks that that it Winks is a part of this is the only ITK that I have seen. Yeah, and like, I, uh, you know, what we call it? I don't even know the Winks wasteabouts. Like, I don't even know what their nickname would be. Yeah, L- listeners, uh, yeah, listeners, send us football nicknames. <laughs> and, and, and as far as we're concerned, if they're fighting Jose, does that you know is is that a revolutionary act that we want to support, or are they just shitheads for undermining our team? Like. Right. I don't know. So like, am I am I actually going to side with Harry Winks, who I fucking can't stand as a footballer, <laughs> against Jose Mourinho, who I fucking can't stand as a manager? Like, I don't want a world where Harry Winks has enough juice in the team to get the manager fired, and then he sticks <laughs> around forever. Like, that's a horrible nightmare scenario. <laughs> oh, you know, God. or is Harry Winks like just such a little fucking pain in the ass that he's making everybody else like Jose more because they can't stand Harry Winks? I don't know. Like it's, I, I can't imagine a revolution going bad, but you know, and it doesn't seem like a good one. It's funny too because if you just generally told me there are some disgruntled players who are very unhappy with Mourinho, as opposed to like what Larice said, like I would have totally guessed that Larice was one of them. Like not dogging it, but like someone who was just not happy with how things are going. Like I, I would, I would guess that Hugo is one of them. Right, but uh, you don't call him out. Not like that, <laughs> no. 
No, maybe Dyer. I mean, I could see it maybe being Dyer because he's been in and out of the team so much. Yeah, that's true. He got he got wiped from the squad as well. Um, after after Europa League, I mean, he was on the bench, but like I could see it being Bergvine, maybe. Poor Steve. Poor Steve. Like just the worst situation. Again, like get get another manager in here because I think a lot of these players are going to thrive under anyone else. Yeah, I mean, and like if they don't, at least I'll be able to feel like, all right, Steven Bergwijn was a bad signing, and not, wow, I can't believe we signed this really promising attacker and let him fucking die on the vine with Jose Mourinho as a manager, and you know squandered it. Yeah, I mean, if we yeah. were just sold a bill of goods, I'd like to know about it, but. Right, tell me about <laughs> Bill Bergwijn. <laughs> I God, that's just like I don't know. Like I, maybe the grass is a greener on the other side, but it can't. Like I just feel like I can't evaluate so much about this club because it's so mired in Mourinho's bullshit. I can't believe I'm so negative about. I was so much chiller about Mourinho earlier in the year, and now I'm just like, no, you're a dumb guy, and now you're mad. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm just so tired of it. It feels like it feels like we're playing out the string already. And I'm just God, I just want it to be over. Like I just want it to be over. Yeah, well the bill of goods is wrapped up in the string. So yeah, that's that's true. That's true. You know, I'm thinking thinking inevitably of, of Arsenal and like, Mikel Arteta, who I also think is not a good manager. Um but you know, and they fucking beat us in the Derby, so how much shit can I talk? Um, but like over the course of the season, I imagine as an Arsenal fan, you get the experience of feeling like your new manager is getting it and is getting better. And you know, Arsenal are not the complete disaster that they were at the end of this, at the beginning of the season, which is and, uh, admittedly a, a bit of a delusion because they're still worse than we are. But absolutely, but like they, you know, they had a, a lot farther to come. But, like, you know, you end the season as an Arsenal fan and you feel like your manager has gotten you up to, you know, dizzying heights of eighth place. You feel like he learned on the job. And next season, with a good transfer window behind him, you know, he's going to kick on. And, like, I'm trying to imagine that feeling of, like, mediocre optimism versus being better than that and feeling, like, just wildly fatalistic. And either at least, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how to like imagine what it would be like to have that other experience right now. A manager who is a project, maybe a work in progress, who maybe is going to burn out versus being better than that, but like a near certainty that it's a disaster. It's so, I don't know. Like on some level, at least like we're all under, we are, we're all clear about what Mourinho is. And on some level, I'm like, that is, uh, to me, preferable than just, like, lying to myself about, like, you know, like, boy, Ledley King's going to really figure it out in two years, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I, I don't know. I, on some level, I just don't, like, we're, we're fooling ourselves. I feel like Spurs are fooling themselves with Mourinho, and I feel like Arsenal's doing the exact same thing in a very different way. And I just think it's going to play out longer because everyone likes the idea of Arteta. And that's very attractive in a way that, like, a middling Mourinho is not. And, I don't know, at least I feel like Spurs are going to, like, crash into reality sooner than Arsenal. Right. And I guess I'll take that. (laughs) I guess. Like, like... I, on some level, like, I'm glad that I'm not getting, like, alien... Like, I guess that's Scott Parker. It's not, like, some ex-Spurs player that I feel, like, fondly towards who I'm going to, like, fucking hate in two years. Like, you know... That... Like, right. I, I, on some level, I'm glad that's not happening, you know? And I'm, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily... I'm not saying Scott Parker's necessarily a bad manager. I'm just picking his name out of thin air. But... You know, I'm glad that it's not, like, someone I'm going to get poisoned on who I actually had warm feelings about before. Like Coach Tito and ADP. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Jose Mourinho. God, yeah. I just... I don't know. And there's something something so cruel about... From the get-go. Yeah. And then, like, you could, like, warm up to. I think that's that's the secret. But there's something also cruel right now about, like... 
I think by far the most prominent name. I guess we've seen Brendan Rodgers' name thrown out there, which, oh boy, I really fucking hope that doesn't happen. I think that's a disaster waiting to happen. Even if I do think it'll be much preferable to what we're seeing now. But, like, there's something very cruel about, like, you know, just like... Like, oh, well, if Spurs fire Mourinho, one of the most exciting young managers in the world who plays in a real league, not Portugal, like a real league, you know, is going to be his replacement. There's something very cruel about that because I do think it's going to be a a bit like how we signed Hugo where just like no one else was looking for a keeper who was a better team than we were that year, so we happened to sign the French number one. And I think if we get Nagelsmann, it'll be almost the same thing. We're just like... All the stars have to align. Yeah. And, And, like, but there's something cruel about just like that that tantalizing possibility being held out there for me. Right. And knowing all the different ways it could go wrong, either because the dominoes don't fall right, or because we make the stupid decision and keep Jose, or because we make a stupider decision and hire Brendan Rodgers. Well, the thing about Rodgers... Stupider, stupider decision and hire Lovely King. Rodgers, I feel like, is going to be a lot... Like, I remember when... So I first became a Spurs fan in 2010 when, when um, Harry was here. Harry Redknapp, and I remember there was like a lot of vitriol when I was like familiarizing myself with Spurs fan. I'm like, I would listen to the Fighting Cock or read like Dear Mr. Levy or whatever, and there was just a lot of like weird vitriol for Harry Redknapp that I didn't understand at the time because I really wasn't familiar with his sort of wheeler dealer huckster um, persona and what he did at Portsmouth and all that and Southampton, and you know, like. I think I understand it better with the prospect of Brendan Rodgers, who I feel like, you know, is kind of a scuzzy figure with a big ego that I don't like. And he would come here and probably be able to set his terms if we got it. Like, if that happened. Right, if he's he, leaving Leicester to yeah, come to Spurs, it's, he's going to be on his terms. On his terms. I don't terms. like those terms. And we would give, and again, I don't think Daniel Levy's going to give him, like, all the levers of power, but, like, it's going to be a lot. And I think it's... I think we'll be a lot more fun to watch. I think we'll perform a lot better. I think, hell, we might win something and make top four. I'm not going to enjoy Brendan Rodgers being the manager of Spurs. Like, I might, I'll, I might enjoy it more than Mourinho, but it's not what I want to see. Like, after dealing with an insufferable egomaniac for a year and a half, like, hiring another insufferable egomaniac is not the route I want to see us go. You know, I think they're all insufferable egomaniacs to some degree like but you know certainly an egomaniac but he was a lovely egomaniac exactly it's it's how obnoxious energy universal like it's it's that kind of egomaniac it's that like jose Mourinho could be a lot of fun if everything was going right and i think that brendan's gonna be a bit of the same like if it's going well you'll put up with it but right again as long as the pot shots are taken outward it's like "Eh, it's kind of fun that he's your villain so, I don't know. It's just, I just want it fixed. I just, I want talking and why, I mean, I, obviously, I talk to you every week uh, and Brian every week about Tottenham Hotspur. We have our friends that we talk to every day about it. I want this to not be a slog again. I want it to be, I'm, I'm not saying I need, like, the heights of the Pochettino years, although I would like them and more. I would just like it to be fun again and not this, like, constantly trying to talk ourselves into how it's not just this dreadful pile of shit. Yeah, and it's like, I just, I want the club to be the kind of club that hired AVB and hired Mauricio Pochettino and, like, goes after a young, ambitious manager with fresh ideas and, like, is an innovator in the game and, like, you know, it's hard to get that right. We got it wrong with AVB, we got it right with Pochettino, but it's like, when there's such a tantalizing prospect as Nagelsmann out there, it's like, you just want to believe that, like, the club that you put so much of your love and energy and faith in is going to be the club who, like, does the right thing and is well-run enough to, like, have the right sensibility about, like, how it needs to move forward rather than, like, persist with, like, a fucking footballing dinosaur who has been past it for years and, like, we've seen that, you know, play out at so many other clubs. And it's just, like, you know, even if it, even we don't go for Nagelsmann, it means like we hire a Graham Potter, yeah. Potter or a Ralph Hasenhut or whatever. Just like, I just want to see us be the club again that takes those chances. And you know what? Like, if Graham Potter doesn't work out, that's a guy you can fucking fire in a year for no problem, like no problem, and then move on and try again. It's not 
tying yourself to like a fat contract for somebody who isn't worth it and is now going to like run, you know, ruin your transfer budget because you have to fire him. I mean, to me, like, what would be the most frustrating is it's disappointing. We don't like it, but we're not going to fire him because like finances are tight. Like that's where I'm going to be like, like obviously we didn't know COVID was coming when we hired him. Like, you know, I get that. But, like I get that every club is sort of eating shit right now, but like, it's just, God, I, I'm sorry. I, I really, I want to apologize for our listeners. I did not really intend for this to be such a downer of a podcast, but I guess with, with where I am with Spurs and Ben in general, I guess there is no other place this was going. Look, I'm a miserable bastard, but... No, but it felt like, again, like, uh, just to bring it all around like a good comedian's routine, like, that Dinamo match really felt like it crystallized things in a way that it wasn't a trend, it wasn't, like, a set of matches, it, was, it wasn't, like, an odd day at the office against, like, West Brom. It was like, no, this is everything that's wrong with us right now and why we need to move on. Come on, say the line. The goods are not being <laughs> built. Yeah. It, no, but it was. It, and I, I think what's so weird about it is it's just like life carried on because this didn't happen in like late April. It happened in mid March. And you know, I don't blame him for not firing him immediately. Like I'm like if honestly, as long as Mourinho's not here next year, I don't give a shit when we do it. And I understand why. You know, frankly, if you're Daniel Levy, like, I would let Mourinho take those bullets for the rest of the season if you don't think it's going to go super well, like, you know. Yeah, but again, what do you, what do you bring in a caretaker for? What do you, like, unless, like, it's, like... Yeah, unless it's not higher Novelsman now. going to leave. Yeah. Or unless it's, like, Novelsman, you know, it's or it's like when Liverpool hired Klopp, like, you know, he's available now. Like, get him now. Like, he's not available now. We know for a fact he doesn't want to leave Leipzig before the season's over, so... Man, I don't know. It's just, I just want Spurs to be fun again. Uh, on the pitch, off the pitch, I just want them to be fun again. <laughs> yeah, is that so much to ask? It's not, it's not. Like like you said, Potter, Hassenhuddle, like, Nogglesman, like, there's a lot of options, even if one of them doesn't work out. Like, like I guess the thing is, for me, is like... I, I, we've all had our problems with Daniel Levy, you know, and he's clearly made mistakes over the years. But by and large, he's a man who seems to have a clear idea of how to get a club like Spurs to punch above its weight and what it needs to leverage to do that and where it needs to find inefficiencies and advantages. And, like, I just, you know, my trust could very well be misplaced, but I trust that he is good enough at his job that he knows this ain't it. And that there are, yeah, you know, we need to be bigger, better than the sum of our parts. And Jose Mourinho is not the guy to make that happen. Ugh. Well, on that fun note, I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, we have an international break, so we'll uh, reconvene. We need to make sure all of our schedules are, are being fixed. But we will probably be back with back with you soon, hopefully next week, to talk about something other than uh, just how much we hate Jose Mourinho. We'll talk about the Jesse Lingard England revival as he dismantles San Marino and Andorra. How much does that hurt your soul watching Jesse Lingard play well? He's uh, he's saving my fantasy season. So does that does that conflict with the fact that you will always be convinced that Jesse Lingard sucks and nothing will get you off that hill? Yeah, I tr- I traded in Dombele for Jesse Lingard, and it was like the most like morally conflicted I've ever been about a thing in my life. Was it so, like cheating on your wife? Not that you've done that, but deeply, like. Deeply hurt me. Yes, it was the exact same sensation of when I cheated on my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alani. Um, on that note, I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade U Spurs. You can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. You can find our podcast on Twitter at WDR, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio, WDR Podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five star review because if you made it this far, I think you're pretty much obligated to. And if you realize that the guy you like on this podcast wasn't here tonight, you can find him on at Brian underscore Ashlock. That's Brian with a Y. <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time to wrap it up. For Ben, for Brian, uh, for Brett Rainbow, I have been your host, Greg. Uh, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>